want you to uh, radically shift your visual gears this morning, and I want you to change how you see your surroundings. This is not a church. This is a field, a farm field. And you are not people, you are dirt. Don't take that personal. Um, you are you are soil. And I am not preaching, I am sowing seeds. Like a good uh, first century farmer would do, he has his bag of seed and he would go out and he would take a handful and he would, I'm not going to throw this because I'll probably hit one of your eyes and you'll sue me or something, but, but uh, he would take the seed and he would throw it out into the field and he would, he would sow the seed. And that's, that's what I want you to imagine this morning here in this place. Now in this field that I'm planting, there are different kinds of soil. Uh, there, there are uh, over here, and we're going to just kind of uh, make this up here. Over here is is the hard soil. Some of you are happy about that. Uh, this is hard soil. It's like concrete. Uh, you guys in the middle, you, you're you're the rocky soil. Uh, lots of rocks and stones. And you over here, you're the you're the the weedy soil. And there's thorns growing up in, in this field over here. And uh, you guys in the nosebleed section, you are the good soil. You're the you're the you're the loamy, rich soil that produces a good harvest. So so as as I as I throw the seed out, it hits these different types of soils and dirt in my field. Uh, today uh, we're studying the parable of the sower in Luke chapter eight, and you can start turning there. Uh, if you need a Bible, the uh, ushers have Bibles, and uh, just put your hand up. They'll give you one to borrow for the service here, and uh, turn to Luke chapter 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, third gospel in the New Testament. <coughs> Through the summer, we are doing a series of uh, studies on the parables. Last week, Mike started with the parable of the prodigal son, today the parable of the sower, and so on through the summer. Uh, I want to read... Uh, chapter 8 of, of Luke, uh, starting at verse 4. We'll read verses 4 through 8 and, and get set up this, uh, this parable. Luke 8, 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And I suppose each section could hear a little bit when I mention the section. Um, it's really not a good thing if there's seed right here, but that's okay. <clears throat> Some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. <laughs> that's really rocky. And, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns. Those are powerful thorns, uh, which grew up with it and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil. That's what we want, yeah. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's stop for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, as we dig into this parable this morning, 
there are uh, many important things for us to learn. And as Stephen shared with us and prayed, I, I open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear. May this just not be a good story, but it may be life-changing. So I ask your spirit to come uh, and be present with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as Jesus explains this parable, he's also giving us uh, background into the purpose of all parables and how they work. Look at verse 9 of chapter 8 of Luke. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that, though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. Now when Jesus said this last phrase here, he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 6, where, where God calls Isaiah to, to be his uh, minister. And Isaiah says, I will go, I will do that. And he says, okay, I want you to go and preach, but they won't hear you, and they won't see you, and they won't listen. And that's the context as Jesus says, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. You see, parables both reveal and conceal truth. Parables reveal truth to the genuine seeker who takes the time and the trouble to dig out what is what is being taught in the story and discover the meaning for their lives. But parables conceal the truth from the person who is content to simply listen to a good story. Parables are good stories. Jesus was a master storyteller. And he, and he would tell these stories, and, and some of the people would say, wow, that was a great story. Let's go home and eat lunch. The serious follower and seeker would hear the story and be convicted and understand that there was something in there for them, that Jesus was speaking truth that they needed to hear. So parables are a mine of information and transformation to those who are in earnest, but they are a judgment on the casual and the careless. So the first question that we have to ask ourselves this morning is this. Are we casual and careless in hearing God's word, or do we hunger and thirst after hearing from Him? We're going to go through this series of parables uh, over the summer, and it will test us. Will we come to church to hear a good story? What's the latest parable that Cypress Church has for us? Or will we come to see what God is going to say and speak to us? This parable that we're looking at this morning, the parable of the sower, in a word, it speaks to the importance of a right reaction to the hearing of God's word. Verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable, the seed is the word of God. So in Jesus' parable, as he was talking about this, this farmer, the seed that he was sowing is God's word. And as he would cast the seed out into his field, the different kinds of soil would re represent different kinds of responding to receiving the seed of God's word. The farmer would be would be God, would be Jesus, who is speaking. And even as you hear God's word through someone preaching or teaching 
or on the radio or a BFF. God is speaking through that person. So what you're hearing, it's not that person, but, but you're hearing God speak to you through his word. Only the fourth soil is good. The first three soils are all different, distorted ways of responding to hearing God's word and will cause us, if that's the kind of soil we are, it will cause us to waste our lives. Hearing God's word comes in different ways. It, it, it's it's uh, reading it for yourself. It's hearing a sermon. It's listening, listening, being in a Bible study. It's hearing God's still, small voice speak in the quiet of your own heart. Those are all different ways of hearing God speak and hearing His Word, and, and we respond in different ways to that. Now, this is an incredibly important parable. Um, I find over the years, every time I teach uh, something out of Scripture, I say, this is really important. Uh, this is my favorite passage of Scripture. This is re- and it's all, it's all important, but I tell you, this, this parable has life and eternity-altering And Jesus even speaks his trademark phrase uh, that, that really in the vernacular means, you better pay attention to this. He says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. That's his way of saying, this is really important, and you better listen up. And you better pay attention. This is critical. So this morning I want us to see these four different responses to the Word of God. Four different ways that we receive His Word, His written Word, His still small voice, His teaching His Word. The way we receive God's Word is the single most important factor, I believe, in our salvation and our spiritual growth. So we have to evaluate where we are in this parable. Which of the four responses represents us? Which of these four soils am I? I want you to ask yourself this as we walk through the study this morning. There's notes in your bulletin that you can take that each of those four points represents one of the four soils. And do a self-evaluation. Which one am I? Now understand, we can have different responses at different times. You might be characterized by being good soil, but uh, on certain occasions where you read the Word or hear the Word, it's like, oh, I'm kind of rocky ground on this one. I understand that. We, we all, we all, uh, we're all wishy-washy, right? At different times. You'll be characterized by one particular kind of soil, probably. So let's get into it. First response to hearing the Word of God. We hear the Word, but Satan snatches it away. We hear the Word, but Satan snatches it away. This is the first soil. Verse 12. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the Word from their heart, so they may not believe and be saved. This is like planting seeds on the sidewalk. If you know anything about gardening and putting seeds in the ground or anything, you know that if you take your seed and if you spread it out on the sidewalk, will it grow? Uh, The birds will come and eat it. It'll just lay there in the sun. It'll dry out. It'll rot. It can't germinate. It can't sprout. It can't grow. It's totally useless and wasteful. Jesus specifically says that this kind of person, those of you over here, and I'm not specifically saying that you're in this category, I'm just, you know, picking on you for this morning, but 
specifically the, the, this kind of soil, these people are not saved. They do not believe. The word is merely heard. It's not assimilated. There's no faith. There's no obedience. Satan snatches it away before it can penetrate our minds and our hearts. So what does this look like? This is the person who sits in church week after week after week and hears the word, but there is zero response. The implication is that this person's heart is as hard as rock, like the rock. And the word of God cannot penetrate, does not penetrate, that person will not let it penetrate into their soul and their being. Now, in spite of this being the group over here that we're calling that, this really may describe some of you sitting here this morning. You might be in this category. You read your Bible, but it makes no impact. It's a pain in your neck. You come to church, but it literally is gone before you walk out those doors. The Word is it may be that the devil has permission in your life to steal away the word because you're tolerating sin, because you're living in sin, there's bitterness, there's anger, or any number of a list of sins we could list off. Uh, you, you are tolerating that, you are allowing that, you're not dealing with it, and Satan basically has a bunker behind enemy lines where he can go out, and as soon as the word of God comes, as you hear it, and it comes to you, it's snatched away, and it can never do its work of changing and transforming you. And probably if this is you, you're tuning me out right now. Or, or more accurately, you're tuning out the voice of the Spirit as He speaks to you. And you aren't even hearing me say this. Which is kind of an interesting thing to think about, because you didn't hear me say that. If this describes you, you probably don't care if you do anything about it. You're hard, you're cold, you're unlivable. But let me warn you, so if you're not listening, please listen now. I don't know how that works either. Um, let me warn you of the danger of this position. Verse 12. Satan snatches the word away from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. This person described here is not a believer. They have no relationship with Jesus. Is this you? You need to repent. You need to totally believe that He is the only way to, to have your sins forgiven. And if it's not you, you probably know somebody that's like you. Right? What do you do? You've tried everything. All you can do is pray this morning to our God. Just pray that the Holy Spirit fills up the heart second response to hearing the Word of God. Number two, we receive the Word, but do not stick with it. That's those of you in the middle. No cheering. Good. 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 Uh, verse 13. Uh, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the Word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So the picture here is of rocky ground with a thin layer of 
dirt over it. It's uneven. It's, it's rocky. It's rough. And there's some dirt down in between the rocks. And so a seed can get in there. It can, it can germinate. It can, it can sprout. But there's very little water. There's no roots. And as soon as the hot sun of difficulties come along, the plant withers and dies. The rocky ground makes it difficult, if not impossible, for good, mature growth to take place for this little seedling. Now, both of my parents grew up on farms in, uh, in Pennsylvania. And so farming, even though I didn't grow up on a farm, farming was part of our culture, part of our childhood. Uh, we would go back and visit Grandma and Grandpa, and we'd help them fill hay bales and ride the tractor and, and go out and play with our G.I. Joes in the, in the creek stand through the pasture. And, and so that was just part of our world. And I remember my dad talking about one of the worst jobs you could possibly imagine on a farm. And it was called picking rocks. And someone would drive a tractor real slow through the field, pulling a flatbed wagon. And all the kids and whoever they could get would walk along the wagon, literally picking rocks up out of the field and putting them up on the wagon. And sometimes they'd hit some big, huge boulders and they'd stop and Everybody would get in there, and they would dig this big rock out and lift it up on the wagon, and they would keep going. Day after day, hour after hour, year after year, acre after acre, just picking up rocks. The problem was when they plowed the next spring, guess what? A whole new crop of rocks was dropped in front of them. Unending, unending job. You've probably seen pictures of those really... Uh, picturesque fences in, uh, in uh, Vermont or in Ireland or something made out of rocks. Those are rocks that were picked out of the field. Around my grandfather's farm, I remember piles of rocks would sit off in different parts of the barnyard. A big lot of rocks to prepare a field to grow a crop. It takes a lot of work to prepare our God's Word so that it can take root and we can grow. What does this look like? This is the person who hears the Word, hears the truth, reads the Bible. They believe. At some level, they believe. They may pray a prayer of salvation. They rejoice. The, the verse says that they rejoice. This is great! got saved. I just prayed a prayer. I just discovered this. But at the first hint of hardship, as soon as the sun of difficulties comes out, any resistance, any, any persecution, maybe they discovered that part of being a believer means you have to give some of your money away. You don't have to give it away. You just ask if you can give some of your money away. Whoa, wait a minute. Hold on. I didn't sign up for that. Or they have, they have to yield their will. i got to give up what I want to do? And they bolt. This is the person who has a level of acceptance and belief that they do nothing to advance their relationship with God. I'm not going to Ecuador. I'm not going to New Orleans. I might get sick. Or it's not safe. Or I might get uncomfortable. It might be hot there. No, it will be hot there. doing that. There's no roots. This is the casual and careless believer. Maybe. 
because I'm not sure if this particular soil really is a believer or not. The first one definitely isn't. This one, this one, you could argue both ways, but I think it could go either way. Because there are a lot of this kind of person. They think they're saved. They they go to church. They've done some churchy things. They could say the right churchy words sometimes. But there is no root. There is no genuine relationship with Jesus. There's no depth. And at the first sign of having to yield their will or face hardship or do something that's out of their comfort zone, they, they wither up and blow away. And so is that person even a believer? I could argue from Scripture they aren't. Only God knows that. growth requires us to create the right conditions for growth. We can't make ourselves grow. I can't take this wheat seed and sit here and say, grow. Come on, hurry up. You can't, you can't, and I can take, I can take this seed and I can put it in dirt and I can put it in the sunshine and I can put water on it, but I'm not making it grow. Who is making it grow? All I can do is create the right conditions. And believe me, sitting in my hand here is not the right conditions. I've got to put my life in the right place. I've got to be immersed in Scripture. I've got to be involved in church, a small group, BSF, whatever. Those are the right conditions. I've got to pick the rocks of sin out of my life. I've got to till up the soil. And then God makes it. But my job is to create the right conditions. And when conditions are right, there will be growth. The roots will go deep. But we have to be intentional. We have to be deliberate. We have to even be passionate about becoming more like Christ. The person who is rocky soil does nothing create the right conditions. They're careless and opportunistic. The word is heard, it's received, but that's it. And they waste their life. Colossians 2, 6, and 7, uh, Paul writes there, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue, continue to live your lives in Him. Keep at it rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in faith. There is the root as we continue putting ourselves in the presence of God. The roots will go deep and there will be growth in this area. So are you rocky soil? Are you rocky soil? Are you a complacent and careless follower of Jesus? Or are you doing the hard work of picking the rocks out of your seat? Creating the right conditions for going on missions trips, putting yourselves out there where it's not comfortable, it's not fun. Well, it's fun some of it, but for those of us who are older and not getting sleep, that wouldn't be fun, okay? Yeah. Are you doing that? Are you creating those kinds of conditions? I challenge you to improve the conditions of your soil. Third response. We hear the word, but allow the world to choke us. 
hear the word, but allow the word to say it. That's me. So if I hear a lot of gagging over here, I know you're being tested. Is it, is it, is it weeds growing? Verse 14, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. So, the seed finds soil, it germinates, it begins to grow, but the garden is not cared for, the field is not weeded. The thorns and the weeds grow up and choke the plant, and as we all know, weeds grow far faster than the crop we're trying to grow, right? If you've done any gardening at all, you know, weeds have this ability to multiply ten times faster than whatever it is you're trying to grow. And you know what? That's true in life, too. You can work so hard to find crops, and then these weeds just seem to pop out of nowhere and choke us. And But I, I was doing so good. What happened? What does this look like? I think this probably is a true believer. This, this soil is describing someone who, who is a genuine follower of Christ. They've experienced forgiveness. They have a relationship with Jesus. But they are choked by the cares and the riches and pleasures of the world. Choked here is a vivid word. It's a strong word. It has this idea of being strangled or even killed. And so these, these three things that Jesus describes here or I'll mention can really do serious damage to the believer. What are these things that can choke us? Let's look at these three. Number one, cares of the world, or life's worries. Life is full of cares, right? Anybody have carefree? Anybody carefree this morning? No problems, no worries, no hassles? No. I mean, life is full of cares. You've got to change the oil on the car. The tires are wearing out. Um, you know, uh, my parents need extra care. They're getting older. The siding needs fixed. The roof leaks. The kids are acting up. I can't get the classes I want. My company is downsizing, and on and on it goes. That's just the nature of life. And if we aren't careful, those things can choke the spiritual life right out of us. We don't have time to do it this morning, but Scripture is full of truths and principles and promises on ways of dealing with the cares and the anxieties of life. And we have to deal with them with God's Word. We've got to take God's Word and receive it. And when we read verses like, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, give thanks. You know, when we read those, we've got, to, we've got to assimilate those. If we don't, the cares of this world are going to choke us and kill us. Number two, riches and the deceitfulness of having riches. Jesus says a lot. The Bible says a lot about money. Uh, he says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to heaven, and so on. The love and pursuit of money and riches can choke the life right out of a follower. Jesus never said, if you accept me, you'll be rich. In money, I mean. That's not what we're promised. And, and, and we as believers and followers of Jesus have no business pursuing hard after wealth. Now, there are believers who are rich, and praise God for them. I'm not one of them. That's okay, because that's not what I'm called to do. 
third thing that Jesus mentioned here is, are the pleasures. The pleasures and desires for other things. Other, one of the other parallel passages in the Gospel uses other things. So, so what's this? Well, if we can't be rich, let's at least have fun, right? And so we pursue all these pleasures, entertainment and trips and vacations and cars and sports and, and, and golf and fancy dinners and you want to go to resorts and rent a limousine and, and just, just have all this stuff and feel all this pleasure. The relentless pursuit of pleasure can choke a follower of Jesus to the point that he wastes his life. Now, we weren't called to be rich. Neither were we called to have fun. Christian life is not a bed of roses. Well, we have fun, and there is fun to be had. I'm not trying to throw a downer on the party here. Uh, but Jesus said, if you follow me, you will have pleasure. These things can be grave dangers for those of us who are following may be growing, doing fairly well, hear the word, meditate on scripture, but we haven't sold our souls out to God. We haven't died daily to everything. We don't give generously to the church and to the faith promise and to the mission trips because we want to spend that money on ourselves and our own pleasures. We have allowed little footholds of desires for things to, to creep into our lives. We've been deceived by riches and by stuff and by fashion and whatever it is. And so those, those, those thorns of worldly care grow up and they grow fast. And before you know it, you're choking the spiritual life of your soul. We allow this to happen. There is no harvest. There is no fruit. There is no maturity. Verse 14 says, They do not mature no good to God in the kingdom, no reward, and we will have wasted So what do we do about this? Well, pray that God breaks your heart and the things that God has for you. Lay everything on the altar. Your family, your relationship, your career, success, your marriage, your education, safety, security, comfort, hobbies. He wants it all. Put it all on the altar. And in the next chapter of Luke, Jesus continues his teaching in verse 23, and he says to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, meaning have money and pleasures and all this fun, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Okay, you can, you can have all that stuff, but you're not going to be any good. But whoever loses their life for me, meaning give up that stuff. That doesn't mean God won't give it back or some of it back. Or, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, all these cares and pleasures and wealth, to gain all that and yet lose or forfeit their very soul? Is this you? Are you a follower of Jesus, but when you hear him speak to you, do you vomit out with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this world? If so, you are in a trap to be choked up and live a wasted life. Fourth response. 
Finally, get to the nosebleed section back there. Fourth response, we hear the word and allow it to transform us. We hear the word and allow it to transform us. Verse 15, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Verse 8 says this crop is a hundredfold. We plant ten bushels, we harvest a thousand bushels. That's the good news. So the seed finds good soil. It germinates. It begins to grow. It is weeded and watered and taken care of and nurtured. The conditions are right for all, all that needs to grow. God's word is retained. The, the, verse 15 says it's retained. It's, it's not just heard here, but it's held in. And, and, it, and it changes us and it transforms us. And, and what we were, the old, is dead and gone. And in its place is this new stalk of, of wheat that produces this head of wheat with, with many more grains in it. That single seed is now dozens of seeds, and it's a fruitful and productive thing. What does this look like? Romans 12. You're changed and transformed. As, as you read God's Word, as you listen to God's Word, as you hear Him speak, as you, as you retain it and embrace it, you are transformed. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And, and the riches and the cares of this world take a back seat to the things of the kingdom. Colossians 3, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. That's creating the right conditions for growth. You set your heart on things above. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That doesn't mean we can't enjoy a vacation or go to Disneyland or something, but it's not what our minds are set on. We're set on serving God. We're giving up our summer or part of our summer to go to a hot, muggy, humid place and serve God. Even as we speak, our team is in Ecuador in the middle of the jungle. It's hot and humid there too, I'm sure, and they're working hard in primitive conditions. Set your minds on things above. There's, that's eternal reward. Philippians 1, so to me, to live is Christ and die is gain. Change the word is there to the equal sign. To live equals Christ. That's what life is. For me, to me, Paul said, life equals Jesus. Sold out, radical, nothing but him matters. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Is that you? Are, are you good soil? Is God, God's word transforming you, changing you, molding you, shaping you? Let's summarize these four soils. Four responses to the word. Which one are you? We have the path, which is hard soil like a sidewalk. We have rocky ground where there's no roots. We have thorns where the cares of the world choke us out. And we have the good soil where there is transformation and change and growth. Now you have a, a bulletin outline there. And there's four points corresponding to the four soils. I want you to take a minute right now with your notes and your pen. <clears throat> Make sure nobody's looking. I want you to circle the ones here. 
embarrassed to do that, just kind of pull back and say, stop it. Just look at it and say, where are you today, right now? Which soil are you in? Now understand, this parable is describing the final point of hearing God's word. So maybe you're uh, rocky ground or thorny ground today, but you don't have to be. You can change and become different. Every time God's word is open to us, that we're exposed to it, that we read it, we need to process which of these four ways are we changing. Ask yourself, what years ago, I had a, a vision. It wasn't a weird trance kind of vision. I think I was fully awake and alert. Um, but I had this picture in my mind. And thinking back on it, it just seems more like this, this whole vision experience. And I was standing out in the middle of a field, all alone, and I had nothing job, no family, no house, no car, no food, no possessions, you might say no life, not even any clothes. I was just standing there with nothing. And then the dream, the vision kind of moved forward, and I realized I had Jesus. And I realized some prayer pops up, some situation comes up, some opportunity, some pleasure, some, and I slip, and it begins to choke me, and I feel my spiritual life being drained as, as I'm being choked by this stuff, and I forget the promises of God's Word, and I have to, I have to repent and turn away from that and go back and say, no, 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 if I've got Jesus, and I do, take this world, take it all. Give me Jesus. And it goes back. That's good stuff. In Psalm 95, David said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. God has spoken today. His word has been proclaimed. You have heard what kind of soil Lord Jesus, thank you for your incredible gift as a man on earth of telling stories. Thank you for this story, this parable that you told us. The incredible significance that it has. And I pray that each of us would uh, take a serious look at which kind of soil we have. And do what it takes to move towards good soil. So that we can live a life that is that is fruitful, and there's a harvest at the end, and even now, as we are growing.